Well, good morning. My name is Peter, the son of Jonah and Joanna, brother of Andrew, and I was born in Bethsaida, just the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee, where an amazing event took place when I was with Jesus, which I'll get to in a few minutes. My brother Lee from Greensboro must have been confused uh, about the speaker this morning. Must have been a bit of miscommunication from the elders here at Montmorency, but they've invited me here to speak. It's a privilege to be here. They're lovely young men, those elders. Uh, well, there's the exception, of course, uh, the, the gentleman uh, Andrew of Maryborough. He's uh, uh, perhaps not quite as young as the others, but a, a good man all the same. I understand you've been looking at the book of First Peter, the letter that I wrote in the, the mid-60s AD. And, uh, and I want to give you some context and some background of why I wrote those things and the people, who they were and, uh, and the circumstances of that time. Uh, in this period of time, Christians were, we were degraded in society. We were belittled and looked down upon. Nero, the evil man Nero, was the emperor of Rome, of the Roman Empire, and he and, and he's attributed to starting some horrific fires uh, in Rome, and they destroyed, and it's well documented that they destroyed over two thirds of the city, the great city of Rome. And, and we were already looked down upon and the people were looking for justice, their businesses had been burnt down, their places of residence had burnt down, their great temples had burnt down and they were looking for justice. We were already looked down upon, as I said, and, and, and that we had this secret meal. We talk about the, the communion which we've partaken this morning and it was very misunderstood and there was confusion in the society that we were like cannibals were eating the body of our Lord and drinking his blood and there was this confusion. We were looked down upon and Nero found it so easy to point the finger at the Christians. They're the ones that started it. And Christians were hunted and murdered and burnt alive and dragged behind chariots. And the further away from Rome... People felt that life might be better, but suffering and persecution, it followed us everywhere we went throughout the Roman Empire. And they said to us, deny Christ, deny Christ and you shall live, but claim Christ as your Lord and Saviour and it's your death sentence. And God inspired me to write this to these new Christians spread around the Roman Empire in Asian Minor in the area I think you call now Turkey. And it's been about 1950 years, so I still need some notes. What a privilege, what a privilege it was to walk with and follow around Jesus 
for those few years. My Lord and Saviour. I had some amazing moments. Uh, Jesus spoke with me more than any other disciple. And I was looked at by the others as the unofficial uh, leader and spokesperson of the disciples. I guess you would call me these days the chair of the disciples. I had that amazing experience, as I said earlier, not far from where I was born on the Sea of Galilee. And we were in the boat and we saw what we thought was maybe a ghost, but it was Jesus. And I just got up out of that boat and I went to him, walking on the water. What an amazing experience. Along with James and John, we were the three innermost circle, inner circle of the disciples closest to Jesus. And we heard the voice of God coming from the clouds. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Things weren't always amazing though. Things weren't always amazing. I I stuffed up a lot. I certainly hope you can relate to that. I don't think things have changed much in 1950 years that you are perfect all of a sudden here. I hope you can relate to that, that we stuff up that we sin. And I certainly did. I'm the, I think I'm the only person I'm aware of that was crazy enough to, to rebuke Jesus. To tell him he didn't need to go and die. That wasn't going to happen to him. But that's why he came. And when I did walk out onto that lake, I quickly doubted and I started to sink because of the winds in the storm. When Jesus was arrested, we asked him, should we draw our swords? Before he could answer, I'd taken my sword out and woof, off Malchus's ear. Jesus wasn't happy. He came to die for us. He came to die for me. He picked up the ear of Malchus and placed it back on his head and he healed him instantly in front of everyone that was there. Yet they still carried him away. Worse than that, actually, much worse than that, Jesus told me I was going to deny him three times. I I, I didn't believe it. I I mean, to Jesus I have said, and I've recognised you you have the words of eternal life. You know, we have come to believe and to know that you are Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's why I responded like I did. I I, I was like, you know, Jesus, before I deny you, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to die with you. But that day, oh, that day. You know, it started with a servant girl around that fire. And I 
I panicked. And I said to her, no, 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 I don't, I don't know him. And again someone asked, and again someone asked, and again and again I denied him. I denied Jesus. And the rooster made that crow and I, that look that Jesus gave me. And the disappointment I felt. It was horrible. Have you experienced that? When we let Jesus down, when we fail miserably, and it's that sinking feeling inside that we've sinned. And Jesus looked at me and the things that he had told me had become true. But Jesus forgives. And Jesus forgave me. And he forgives you. And it was what I wanted to start with when I wrote to these new Christians scattered around the Roman Empire with the good news of salvation and who we are in Christ. And so I speak and, and wanted to talk straight away about the, the, the new birth into a living hope. Because hope was, was so important to communicate to these guys. Uh, you know, the Romans were chasing us down and persecuting us. And we were suffering for our faith. But they couldn't take away the hope that we have in Christ. Sure, they could take away our life, ultimately, this temporary body. But our living hope is for what is to come, eternal life with Jesus. My brother Paul, he wrote, it is to live is for Christ and to die is to gain. And this hope, this living hope that we have makes a way for us to experience an overwhelming peace, an overwhelming joy to know that Jesus has suffered more than I can ever endure, more than I can ever face. And he has something waiting for us and that is an inheritance an inheritance these followers of Jesus were facing all sorts of consequences for their faith and I had to remind them that there is something waiting for you in heaven an inheritance an inheritance that doesn't have a use by date that same inheritance for, for us 1950 odd years ago is the same inheritance that is waiting for you, brothers and sisters, in the year 2020. It isn't going to spoil like a nice piece of beef steak that sits in the sun for too long. It's not going to fade away. Our inheritance is 
perfect because it is in the presence of Almighty God. And in his presence, everything is perfect. I had to emphasise to them that we are shielded by God's power. Push that point about being protected. There is no greater power than the power of God. There is, there is no stronger power than the power of God. God has always protected his people from, from Moses and the Israelites, from Egypt, the Egyptians and, and Pharaoh and Queen Esther from the king and Haman. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Daniel in the lion's den. The list goes on and on. God always has protection for his people. And you have that too. Our God hasn't changed and his word hasn't changed. His promises haven't changed. His character is the same. And of course, that doesn't mean that you will not suffer as it did for us. And it does not mean that you will not die physically as it did for me. But you have every reason You have every reason to trust in God. That no matter what circumstances you are facing, there is a peace and a joy to know that he is in control. That whatever happens to you, he already knew about it. Whatever happens to you, he is in control. Whatever happens to you, he has a plan for it. In 2020, I see it's been a horrendous year for you. The fires that have been so close have been horrible. And they seem like they're so long ago because of this global pandemic that has swept across the world. And whether you are dealing with consequences of either of these things or something else or sickness as was spoken about earlier you have every reason to trust God this morning you have every reason to trust God this morning no matter what your circumstances are trusting that he's in control trust him that he knows what is happening to you and he knows what will happen to you and that he has a plan for it. And so, yes, I knew, I knew these Christians that they would suffer. I knew that they would suffer, but there was a reason to rejoice. There was a reason to rejoice. And guess what? There still is. There still is. It's our hope. It's our inheritance. It's our knowledge that we are shielded by the power of God. Credit to you, I say to those Christians, credit to you. And also credit to you this this day in 2020. For you 
although you not have seen Jesus, you love him and you believe by faith in him and you follow him. What a wonderful truth. Your identity in Christ, your blessings and security in Christ, no matter the circumstances of life. So my concern was then how will this affect, how will this affect the way that they live? Knowing who they are in Christ and their security in their eternity with him, how will it affect the way that they live? What will people see when they suffer? What will people see when they're ignored and looked down upon? What will people see in them when they're degraded and called names and beaten? Unfairly treated and murdered. Well, I am not the example to look at. I tell you right now, I'm not the example. Jesus is. You see, I mentioned self-control quite a few times in this letter, talking about the life that we're called to live. And I'm not the, I'm not the example of self-control. That, that's not me. You know, I mean, I rushed into circumstances so many times. On the back of emotion, that was me, that's Peter, rushing into it. Jesus is perfect self-control. He is the example. You know, at times I, I lack the submission to authority and even to Jesus himself. I'm not the example. Jesus was perfect. in submission to authority, earthly and heavenly. When it comes to suffering for Christ and following him and having the courage to stand up for what is right and true, I'm not the example. I'm not the example that Jesus is. I denied Jesus. Jesus is. Chapter 2 and verse 20. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges Justly. 
He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Not only do you have a a reason to rejoice in the circumstances of life that you find yourselves in today, the living hope that we have in Christ, the inheritance that we have waiting for us that will never perish, spoil or fade, And, and the fact that we are shielded by the power of God, we come under his protection Not only is that a great reason to rejoice today, but brothers and sisters, we have an example. We have an example to follow, and that is Jesus Christ. How should we live in the circumstances that seem so hard and so tough? When you are suffering when you are anxious, when you are stressed and worried, when you're not sure how to pay the bills and when you're not sure if life is about to end soon. How will you live? How will you react? Don't turn to horoscopes. Don't turn to Google. Jesus is our example. He was for me and he is today for you. He is your guide. He is your strength. He is your Lord and Saviour. Bring all your anxiety and worries and fears to him. Whether they're financial or relational or persecution for your faith, Bring them to him because he cares about you so much. He is the good shepherd and we are his sheep. We are his people, his church. And this morning I want to tell you and remind you that he loves you. He is in control of all things. He knows all things. He has a plan and a purpose for all things. And he has allowed circumstances to happen in your life. Ultimately, to bring praise and worship and glory to him through you. So I ask you this morning is looking at your life only and the circumstances that you're dealing with, is God glorified? Is he honoured through your life with the troubles and suffering and sickness and worries that you might be dealing with? That was my encouragement to the people. That was my 
concern for them. Near the end of this letter, chapter 5 and verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. I thought after this service, I might have been able to grab some lunch with Brother Lee here and have a reservation at a table at one of the local restaurants in the uh, Weir Street. But you know right now there is, I've realised that it's impossible to make any sort of reservations. You can't book a table at a restaurant. You can't book a holiday or a flight overseas or a resort for a week. but I can guarantee this and promise you this because it's in God's word that there is a reservation for you in heaven. If you belong to Jesus Christ, if he is your saviour and your Lord, he has made a place for you in his presence. This inheritance, this reservation, it is something that will never disappear. It won't rot. It won't fade away. And I know it's mine. And I ask you this morning, is it yours? Do you have the reservation? Do you know of the inheritance that is yours in heaven? I'm going to just pray to our God in a moment and then there's going to be a song played um, on your screens. You'll be able to see the words and hear the song. Um, I trust that you can take a few minutes to listen to this song and, uh, and, and read the words as you reflect on this message um, and, and allow the Spirit of God to in, encourage you and, and bless you through that. My Lord and God, I just thank you for your word and its truth and its promises and just pray you'll take this message and encourage your people. And uh, as we hope and, and we look forward to what you have in store for us here in this life, but most importantly, in eternity in your presence. We give you the thanks and praise and We just look forward to what this week holds now. In Jesus' name, amen.